Well, get your Bibles out and go to Matthew 24. Y'all ready for the Word? Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the Word of God. Changes us forever. I pray that we're a doer of it, not a hearer only. I thank you for everybody in the sound of my voice. They'll make heaven. Jesus will be Lord. They'll live victoriously on this earth. Amen. Matthew 24, 3. Starting last Sunday, I started preaching a sermon called The Last Day's Church. Um, today's Last Day's Church, no compromise. I'm going down what Jesus said. When, now, let me just read it, and, and, and it makes sense. 24, 1, and, and he went and departed to the temple. Disciples came to, and showed him the buildings. And Jesus said, do you see all these things? I say to you, not a stone here will be left upon other that will not be thrown down. Now, real soon, I'm going to teach you about when they will build the temple back. They're going to build it back. And, I'll, and I'll, I'll actually tell you when they're going to do it. I'll show you how, when they're going to do it and how they're going to do it. How they're going to get away with it. Because they are going to do it. Verse 3. Now, when he sat on the Mount of Olives, that means they've walked away from the temple. Uh, probably about a quarter of a mile. And he sat down on the Mount of Olives. Disciples came privately and says, tell us when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Now, he's at, they're asking for how, how are we, and th these men thought they would see him return. Now, isn't that, isn't that something? Think about that for a minute. How, why is that? Why did these men think they would see him come back because they understood Daniel's prophecy there was only seven years of Jewish time left they left there thinking they had seven years to get this gospel through the world that's why they were burning it like crazy to get it everywhere they could go when seven years came and went then they started saying, well, maybe, the, maybe he came and we didn't know it. And there was all kinds of doctrines that came out because they didn't understand that Jewish time ended. You know, there's a lot of things God doesn't tell you. The Bible, the Bible was not written so you could predict the future. I know there's people trying to do it, but you can't do it. What happens is it happens and then you go, oh, the Bible said it was going to happen. But you're, but you're not going to predict it. Now, you can see there are signs, and that's what we're going to look at right now is how are we in the last days, and, um, and what are the signs of that? So he's, he's telling us what the signs are so that we know we're getting closer to Orlando. There's signs on there that say Disney World, you know, an hour away, and you, you, know, you're, you know you've left Pennsylvania, you know? You're, 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 you're not in, in New Jersey anymore, so... So there are signs on the side of the road. And he said, he said, and he answered, said, take heed, no one deceive you. Now, we talked about that last week. Now, verse 5 says, many will come in my name and say I am the Christ and deceive many. Now, traditionally, all of us, I don't know, I can't say all of us, most of us, I know I did for years, thought that what he was talking about here were men that would come and say, I'm Jesus, like um, Buddha or what's the guy with the flowers? Herod Krishnas. So we kind of thought, and when we read that, how many of y'all thought that? He's talking about people coming along saying, I am, I am Christ. Well, 
there's a word here that changes that. I want you to look at it. It's, it, it's, it says for many, the word for many means a multitude. Now, there's not a multitude of people running around with flowers saying they're Jesus Christ. Are there? So whatever he's talking about, there is a huge number of these people. Now, think about that for a minute because that kind of changes everything. How many people do you know that are running around right now saying, I am anointed and they have taken his name? Christians everywhere. He, he's talking about a last day's group of Christians who say, I'm anointed, but they're not living right. That's, that's, that, that's quite a statement when you read it that way. Let me read it again because I know I even got Kenny thinking. He's over there. I, I smell sawdust burning right now. I'm just coming out of Kenny's ears. Many, a multitude, are going to come in my name. Say, do you believe in Jesus? Jesus. And say, I am the Christ, not the Christ. What, what do we call ourselves? Christians? Don't we? I mean, that's what we call ourselves. I am a Christian. The word Christ means anointed. Are you anointed? Yeah, you are. All right. But he said there's going to be a multitude of people who are going to say they have taken his name and they are anointed. And deceive many people. Now, now that's where we're going today. Because when you read it that way, you're like, oh. Now, let me say this as we get going. I, I don't ever want to appear us, them. And I don't, I don't, I don't like that. But there are, he said, in the last days, there will be false teachers, false preachers. And, and so if he said there's going to be, then there's going to be. That means that not everybody who's standing in a pulpit. So Jesus said not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom. Now, we, I think now we've sort of gotten to where everybody's who, who every church is a good church and everybody's a good person and, and they're not. Boy, thank you. Because he said they're not. So, so he says they're going to deceive. Now, now let, let, let's look at a couple of scriptures. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 4 and let's see if we can make heads or tails of what it is he is saying. Are y'all are are with me here? All right, because we've entered a time period now where we're seeing more and more people departing from the faith. Thank y'all for y'all. That was, that was overwhelming, is deafening. I, I can't hear now from all the noise. Um, 1 Timothy 4.1. Now the Spirit expressly says... Holy Ghost, in the latter times, and he's not talking about just the last 2,000 years, some will depart from the faith. That means they were in it. Now, a lot of people say, well, you can't do that. Yeah, well, apparently you can. So, so, so thinking about this, they were in the faith. What did they mean? Faith. Faith in Jesus. Giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies 
in hypocrisies and having their conscience seared. All right, now, now we've got to explain this. So, so all of a sudden, Paul is giving us a, a little insight into what is actually going to happen in the last days. So how is a person's conscience seared? Now, just pop it on the screen, if you would, Matthew 24, 12. And if you didn't see that, it's, and it's my fault, then I'll give you a minute. Um, Matthew 24, 12. You may not have seen that in my notes. I write a lot of little tiny notes all over the place. And because of lawlessness will abound, what will happen? The love of many will grow cold. Sin hardens your heart. Now, now let's, 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 we, we've got, as, as Christians, you, you must understand something. There is no such thing as a salvation of works to righteousness. But there is a salvation of righteousness to works. And, and the church has missed that. Jesus did not come and pay the price to shed his blood, die on the cross so you go to heaven, to turn you into a lawless person. Now, now, and yet the church today has, it's almost like they're bucking live right. Now, it, why is that? God's not, you know, there's a sign on the side of the road. It really, it really makes me mad to read it because it's so stupid. God's not angry. What does it matter if he is? Hell's full of people he's not mad at. Well, that's a stupid sign. Boy, I hope y'all are thinking. Well, it just, you know, there's been times policemen have given me a ticket and they weren't mad. Hello, Mr. Morgan. How you doing today? Good. Yeah, share revenue. Have a good day. You know, for a sign, the police aren't angry. No, but they just gave me a $200 ticket. You know, sin is deadly. I, I think that it's time for us to realize sin is detrimental to you. If he died to get you out of it, teach, if you're an adult here, teach your kids morality. They're, they're going to, they're, your life is never going to be higher than your moral climate. Right. You, you can't have a good life and be immoral. What, what, we've got to get back to, 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 to quit this idea. Someone's taking your cookies from you. Talking about right living. Oh, you just made me feel condemned. Well, stop sinning, stupid. Thank you for y'all's enthusiasm. Okay, where were we? Where were we? Yeah. So, so the more you do something the easier it becomes to do it. And the more hard your heart, Jesus talked about in Luke 8, the hardness of your heart. So you do something over and over and over. After a while, it doesn't even bother you anymore. You're living like hell in church and, and your conscience isn't even bothered. Someone preaches on living right and you're sitting there going... Your, your conscience has gotten so seared, no one can touch you anymore. No, you can't even repent. So what's happening is 
There, there's a church now in America today that has become so much like the world, they're lawless. And they're preaching it. All right, let's do another one. Go to, go to 2 Timothy 4. Go to the right. Turn right. Go three, four streets over and stop. Now, let's read all of this because, oh, because, for one, I charge you, therefore, Pastor Darrell, before the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead, is appearing, preach the word, be ready in season and out, convince, rebuke, exhort. It says in the King James, reprove, rebuke. We don't even believe that. The average Christian, Christianity today has become a series of, of success motivational sermons yes. to make the people feel good about themselves. I just need to feel good about myself. Well, if you were good, you'd feel good about yourself. If you're not, repent and get right with God. And that's so contrary. Andrew Womack made a statement one time, and I'm going to make it to you. He has a church he goes to in Colorado Springs. Whether you know or not, Jeremy Parsons is starting a church in Colorado Springs, and I'm wondering if Andrew will change churches now. Anyway, that's personal. I'm glad that's not on tape. He said to his pastor, who has like 10, 20,000 people, he said, if you'll give me the church, I'll shrink it to 500 for you. Now, you will never hardly ever hear anybody make a statement about shrinking a church. But he said, I'll just run everybody off. It's not serious. You need to understand, not everybody walking into church is serious. Jesus knows who is. All right. Let me read this now. We'll get into that a little bit more. And, I, and, and, and I, nobody said you had to be angry. And I'm preaching to myself. Amen. For the time is going to come when they will not endure sound what? We don't preach doctrine. Church doesn't preach doctrine. I say this with all the love of my heart. The average Christian in America could not sit and explain to you the doctrines of their church. The, the blood of Jesus, atonement, redemption, sanctification. Those are big fancy words. But no, nobody wants to hear a sermon on come today we're going to talk about sanctification. Really? When there's a dog and a pony show going on in the next church? It's quiet in this Baptist church, but it's okay. You need doctrine. It's the only way you're going to make it. You need to know what you believe, and you need to be able to open your Bible and prove what you believe. If you can't, start today. All right, let's talk about it. Let's go. But according to their own desires, they have itching ears, and they'll heap for themselves teachers and turn their ears from what? Say it out loud. Truth. Jesus said you'd know the truth, and what would happen? It'll set you free. The problem with truth is it's not always palatable. Truth is sometimes, and I jokingly say you'll know the truth, the truth will make you mad. But if you're, you know, let's just, let's just step out of our being charismatics today and pretend that the Nazarene church invited me to preach on the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It'd be a ball. I'd, I'd 
pick half the people in the building off. But it's true. Every bit of it's true. If you invited me to the Jehovah Witness, I'd take everybody in the building off. See, if you're not doing something, truth is going to rub you the wrong way. And we pick churches on how we feel, not on truth. Let me, let me help you with something, and I'm just going to, let me just go ahead and take you all off. i got orange trees in my yard. I have never seen one of them jump up and go next door and plant themselves. Absolutely. How could you be a tree of righteousness when you keep bouncing from yard to yard? It, it's it, the, the way America does stuff. It's, I had a lady came to me the other day and she said, Pastor, there's a church preaching and, and having a fire conference. your life is going to change because you accept truth and grow up, not because you go to a fire conference. Are y'all out there? Now, I love the fire when the fire falls. Let the fire fall. But I mean, if you've got to run around seeking fire conferences and water conferences and gold sprinkling conferences and oil anointing conferences, never mind, y'all didn't get a bit of that. But anyway, it's all right. They're going to turn their ears away from truth. Now, this is what Satan's doing in the church today. So why do people, so he's talking about compromise. The issue here is that preachers and Christians are compromising the word. Now, you might say, no, they're not. They will tell you they're not. But there's whole sections of Bible you'll never hear them touch. Those that'll run the crowd off. We don't preach on sin. We don't preach on live right. We don't preach on on on. Um, you should be married. <laughs> they don't preach on that stuff because they'll lose people. It's called compromise. Now, now the world. The world doesn't want truth. So, so, so they begin to compromise in order to appease the world and fit in and to become popular. If you're going to live for God, you will not be popular. Amen. You will someday. When Jesus returns, they're going to go, there is a son of God right there, and you'll be cool. But you won't be cool here because Jesus wasn't cool here. If they said he's uncool, you're uncool. If you want to be cool, you're not walking with him. You're going to stick out. You're going you're to be different than everyone, and it's going to create something called persecution. And man, the American church cannot handle much persecution. Now watch Christians when they go to restaurants and they go, are you going to pray over your food? Amen. What are you doing? I don't want anybody to see me. I don't want to pray in tongues. What would people think? They'll think that you're Spanish. They'll think you're from you're here at Disney from another country. They don't, 
I, I never noticed anybody giving any thought to it much at all. I've walked into restaurants and looked at the girl and just go, Abrevo de Rosona Lema Tonkala Hamasi. She goes, What'd you say? I said, I have no idea. She said, What do you want to eat? And I said, Well, let me see. And, 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 and there's nobody thinking anything. There's so many nuts around here, you just look like another nut. You know, they don't care. They're not thinking of you. So let me help you with something. When you're, when you're I think it's when you're young, you worry about what everybody thinks. And when you get middle age, you don't care what they think. And then when you get older, you realize nobody's ever given you a thought. <laughs> you be watchful in all things that do endure afflictions. Are you serious? Endure afflictions. Go to Matthew 5. One of the reasons people don't want to be persecuted is fear. What will they think? So uh, let me ask you a question. Who are they? And what makes them important? I've asked people this before. They've said something to me and I said, and who are you? Why do people think that their opinion matters? If God said something, I'm not enamored if you've seen Jesus, you're not enamored with anybody. I don't fall apart when Jesse Duplantis walks in the room. I walked up and shook his hand and told him, I says, it's good that you met me. I meant it too. I don't know where people get this idea. These are people. They're, they, they're saved and washing the blood and God's anointed them and given them a job, but they're just, they're just a redeemed sinner. People are just redeemed sinners. They're just sinners. And if they got saved, we give God the glory. Well, we don't need to fall apart when we get around people. So, so where in the world did somebody's opinion mean anything to you? If God's already given you his opinion. If God, get, if God said you're accepted in the beloved, who gives a rip? What, what anybody else thinks? I told the story to y'all one time and it bears repeating. When I went up to Tallahassee and all the preachers went up, all the preachers we're up there, and um, we, were, we were supposed to be getting up and taking the podium and talking about the fact that we're supporting a bill that as a pastor, we don't want to marry gays, right? You think that, so when I was, I was sitting here, and, and another pastor from Apopka was sitting beside me, and so they went through the pastors all the way to M. And every one of them said, you know, no thanks or, what, or whatever. What I pass. It just means they, they accept. They accept, but they're not going to say it. They, they don't want to get them to say anything. So I stood up and the pastor sitting next to me took my shoulders and shoved me back down the seat. And I turned to him and I said, get your hand off of me. <laughs> I will slap you here in the courtroom, sucker. And I got, and I, where do people get the brass? I'm your boss? Son, you, I'll give you my, you can polish my shoes when I'm done. But, you know, you want to you say some things to people. I don't know where you thought you could get off, push me down. You, you don't know who you're talking to. It just, you know, they had a picture after that. They, all the pastors did a picture. 
I'm not in it. They invited everybody in the room but me. Because I'm the only one with any backbone got up and said anything. You know, there's a scripture in the book of Revelation talking about cowards won't be in heaven. Thank you. I didn't mean to get off on all that. Matthew 5.11. Blessed are you when you're reviled and when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Are they going to? Uh, if you're living right, they are. If no one's talking about you, you probably aren't doing anything anyway. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your what? Reward in heaven for so persecuted the prophets before you. See, people today, they don't, they, they don't even believe. If you're persecuted, then something's wrong with you. Matthew 7, 21, maybe something's wrong with you if you're not. Verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my father, many will say in that day, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? And, I, and, when I will do, I will, and then I will depart to them and say, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, riding the fence is now no longer an option. How are we doing for time? Good. Look, I want you to pop numbers 6-5 up on the screen. I want you to read this. We're going to talk about real quickly two different people in the Bible. One of them is Samson. And, and when, pe when we read that, most people think that he lost his power because they cut his hair. No, that's not why he lost his power. And he also thought he lost his power because he was messing with a woman. But you remember, he was messing with women before that. So what happened to him? Now let's read why he had long hair. In the days, of, all of the days of the vow of his separation, no razor shall come upon his head until the days are fulfilled which he'll be separated himself to the Lord. He will be holy, then he shall let his locks of his head grow. Now what he's saying there, there is a vow called a Nazarite vow. It's a vow that a man, it's a shame for a man to have long hair under the Old Testament. That's why men had short hair. Now, if a man had long hair, which he shamed himself, it was to show the world he had separated himself to God from the world. From the world. And he didn't care what people think. All he cares is what God thinks. When you're reading about Samson, you're going to read when you get over there that that he finally gave his heart to Delilah. She's a type of the world. And then she cut his hair. When that happened, he lost his consecration to God. There's where the lack of power is in the church. Because the world, the church is more in bed with the world now than it is. They're not interested in God. Now, we called them years ago holiness. We made fun of them. They ran around in gray dresses, ugly hairdos, and everything else. But, but something happened when the Pentecostals wanted to be accepted. See, there was a time... The word holy roller was not a good term. You're, a, you're an ignorant, um, 
emotional holy roller. You're one of those that run aisles, jump pews. You're one, yeah, you go to that church. And, and, the, and the Christian was shunned by the world. Well, the, the Pentecostal church got tired of the persecution, so they've become like everyone else. There's no power in a Pentecostal service now. But buddy, there was. You walk into a church like that, you'd get healed by the power of God. Somebody jump up and dance and start dancing in the Holy Ghost. But they, but they got tired of the persecution. They got tired of what are people going to say? Thank you for y'all's enthusiasm. Daniel 3.8. I, I got to go over there now. See if I can, I should have marked my Bible. There is Daniel. Thank you, Jesus. It's not a big book. Now, we understand Shadrach, Meshach, and away we go. We got that down, right? 3.8. Therefore, at a certain time, the Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews, and they spoke and said, King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Now, um, the, he's setting up an image of himself to be worshipped. And in verse 12, it says, Then certain of the Jews have set over the affairs of the providence of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you, and they do not serve the God or worship the gold image which you have set up. And Nebuchadnezzar was in a rage. And here's what happens. You get home. You've been at church. You're living for God. I can, I'm going to say something to you. Somebody is going to say something to you. Because your light is blinding them. Now, they're not in church. And they're not living right. And they're going to say something to you because you're bothering them. Have you been down there again at that church? What are y'all doing? Rolling aisles again, jumping pews? Now, how stupid. And, 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 and it, it, you very well may get a rage and the point of it is to get you to quit. Now, I'm going to tell this story in here because I'm not, I'm not being recorded. My first wife would go off sometimes for a month. I didn't know where in the world she was. I thought I was walking in love. And she'd come home, and she'd come home, and one night I'm laying in the bed and got drunk in the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost hit me. I just lay there and got drunk. And she told me to shut up and quit praying in tongues in the house. I said, are you serious? You're telling me to quit praying in the Holy Ghost in my house? I just, and she says, you need to choose between me or Jesus. I went, that's easy. And I laid in the floor and just laughed all night. And the, and the meaner she got, the drunker I got. There's a reason you need to get drunk in the Holy Ghost. You might need to get drunk sometimes. Right in the middle of hell, just get drunk. Folks, don't think, don't think everybody likes you living for God. Well, never mind. Now, I didn't say be mean to them, and I didn't say chew them out, and I didn't say get, get down in the mud with them. Um, let me finish reading this because I, I want you to see this. Verse um, 15b, 
But if you'll not worship or the, or, um, now let me just read it. If you, now if you are ready at this time and you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the psaltery and the cymbal with all the music and you fall down and worship the image. See, we don't think we have idols today, but we do. Good. But if you do not worship, you'll be cast immediately in the midst of a fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? So the world is looking at you today and going, well, let me tell you something. If you don't, if you don't compromise, you're going to lose your job. If you don't compromise, I'm going to divorce you. If you don't compromise, listen, you wouldn't believe the stuff that goes on outside of church. And people compromise in order to be, to be you know, they don't, they don't want... They don't want the trouble, so they're just being quiet. And actually, preachers have gotten to the place where they're just—they'll just change the whole gospel if if it make if the if the real gospel makes you mad. Well, we'll just change it. We won't preach on sin. So if you're a real big preacher and you're at Larry King Live and he asks you that, what about other religions? And and you look at him and say, well, you know, everybody's got to find their own way to God. That's a lie. You're real popular. Why don't you look and say, Jesus is the only way, Larry. Larry's a Jew. Why, Jesus is the only way. If you don't know Jesus, you're going straight to hell. He had an opportunity, everybody in the world listened to him, preach the gospel, and he didn't do it. Compromise the word of God. Com- listen, what we're watching today is an enormous amount of compromising going on in the body of Christ. In, in order to what we call growing churches. It is. It is true. All right. I love what he said to him, and, my, and this wind keeps blowing. You've got a wind behind me, Lisa, somewhere over there. Look at verse 18. And if it be known that if we will not serve your gods, normally we worship the gold image which you have set up. Now, verse 24, and King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke. Um, no, 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 no. No, verse 19, and Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury and the expression of his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He heated the fire up, verse 16. Ten, what is it, 10 times or something like that? I, I skipped one down here in verse 16. I'm going to go back. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said, King Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. We've already got our minds made up. We're not bowing. We don't, we're not bound. We don't, we don't care what you say. We're not bound. I think it's time for the church, especially the young people, to start adopting the fact that it's a whole lot better to, to please God than man. Well, I'm going to fire you. Well, my God will meet all of my needs. Do you all understand I've had that happen to me before? Now, a lot of times people say, well, pastor, we think it's your personality. It might be. But I worked with a guy that was a porno addict, and I bothered him. Now, I wasn't, I wasn't rude at work, but now I wasn't quiet either. And they'd ask me questions. Omar asked me questions. Twig asked me questions. Different people. We'd talk about Jesus. And he'd holler and go, Morgan, shut up. So when I started going to the Bahamas, the Lord said, go to the Bahamas. Randy, I asked Randy, the owner of the company, could I leave one week a month and go to the Bahamas? He said, yes. When I got back, Larry, my boss, fired me. And, and Randy didn't back it up because he didn't want to hear about Jesus. Well, well, Larry died at 40 in his bathtub, fell killed over dead. Now, I'm going to tell you why I was there. God put me there for him. 
and he, and he rejected the gospel and he's in hell. He didn't have to be in hell because I talked to him and I was very kind, but I didn't compromise the word of God. You know, there's times God will put you places for their benefit because they're going to hell and they need to hear about Jesus. Well, you're going to have to open your mouth. I don't apologize for being a Christian. I told you the other day I did a funeral in a bar. And I walked up and I said, okay, you know, everybody's got a martini. Everybody's got a martini and a beer. And I said, well, you know, Kevin's asked me to do the funeral here. And uh, we're going to honor uh, his wife, Faith, who I led to the Lord. She's in heaven with Jesus right now. I'm going to tell you how she is. And now I'm going to open my Bible and make sure you're there. I'm not afraid of you because you have a martini. I mean, somebody in this room has to have some guts. I don't have to get it out of mine out of a bottle. Are y'all okay? I wonder when the church is going to start getting bold again. Anyway, he says, I saw, I saw four men in the fire. I want to read something to you and I'm running out of time, but this is a, this is a book um, by Rick Renner called No Compromise. And um, I'm just going to read some of this quickly. And it's a big huge book. I don't know what it costs. I mean, I'm, I think it's probably quite pricey, but in it, he's, he's the whole book. It's that thick. It's that tall and that wide. It's huge. And he went to Turkey and he uh, took pictures and studied the history of the church of Pergamum, just one church, and what Jesus said to that one church. And he's done that. This is his second volume. I'm sure the next one is going to be another one of the churches. But he's been traveling around. So this is Rick Renner. He's got, he's, you see him on Believer's Voice of Victory. And so this is his book. But listen to what he says because in, in the book of Revelation, he makes a statement. He said, the deeds of the Nicolaitans I hate. And what is a Nicolaitan? Well, they came from Nicholas, the proselyte that we read about. And it's either Acts 6 or 8. And he was one of the original deacons. But he, he came out of the world and became a Jew, and then he, became, he went from being a Jewish proselyte to being a Christian. And one of the things that he started preaching was compromise. Get along with every, just get along with everybody. The, the conversion, the conversation Jesus is talking about, Revelation 2.15, about Nicolaitism is relevant to our modern church. In the Christian world, there are emerging spiritual leaders who, like the Nicolaitans of the past, are seeking a dangerous truce with the world under the guise of inclusiveness and compromise. Many of these emerging spiritual leaders once held strong doctrinal positions, and they did. But over time, they have shaped their beliefs to meld with the changing moral climate of society. Now, listen, if you're going to be um, um, pro-anti-abortion in these last days, um, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to be persecuted. Yes. Now, especially if you're African-American. You know, I, and I, we've had people in our church say, well, they call us Uncle Tom. You're not Uncle Tom. You're a Christian. Go ahead and be an Uncle Tom and let your family members know that you're not voting for homosexuality and abortion. Amen. You, you, you've got to make up your mind where you stand on moral issues. And it's not political. It's not racial. It's moral. That's right. yes. Amen. It's a moral issue, guys. 
And, and, and why would we not know that Satan's a liar? Never mind. Many of these emerging, okay. And in the process, they are now produced a gospel very different from the one in the Bible. Although the world may change, Hebrews 13, 6 says, Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Truth does not change based on social trends. Truth is truth. Regardless of the particular brand of immorality that society has labeled acceptable. Today, just as before, whenever believers take a firm stand on absolute truth, they are viewed at by the world as intolerant. But when it comes to truth, there is no room to mitigate or adapt. As we discussed in chapter one, that's this book, those who adhere to the doctrine of spiritual compromise generally believe that Christ is just one of the many accepted types of faith. We see that on bumper stickers, don't we? The big issue to them is not truth, but respect. Consequently, truth takes a second seat to equally honoring the beliefs of all the other people. Well, they're wrong. They're wrong. That's, boy, you know, you're a bigot. Jesus is the only way. Yeah, but what about everybody else? Aren't you, aren't you being ugly? No, there's only one way to God. It's Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Without him, you're going to hell. Amen. Oh, don't mean that hell stuff now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're going whether you believe it or not. And, and my God, we're not going to talk about hell in church. I mean, that would upset somebody. If you die and Jesus is not Lord of your life, you go to hell forever, forever and forever and forever and forever. All right, now that's, that's not preaching anymore because it, then, you know, the, the big money dogs will get up and leave. Ultimately, Christ is demoted in their mind. That's the way they, that's the way they think. Viewed as just one option of many, according to the inclusive mindset, everyone is right and no one is wrong. There's nobody wrong. This modern belief system harbors dangerous similarities to both the pagan mindset and the Roman Empire and the doctrine the Nicolaitans that Christ hated. Now, I'm going to go down the list real quick. There's no emphasis. Now, Nicolaitanism, this is what it is. No emphasis in the church on living holy or separated from the world. I don't preach it anymore. Man, you're, man, you're old-fashioned. Separation from the world. Are you out of your ever-loving mind? No emphasis on doctrinal teaching of the Bible. Modern Nicolaitan prevails, prevails. Sound doctrine is replaced with social action, social justice, and an attempt to appeal to the mass audience by making people feel better about themselves. Thus, true doctrinal teaching of the Bible is diminished and replaced by variants of watered-down politically in, in uh, correct instruction. That's, that's, that's very common now. There's no emphasis on absolute truth. It's the truth, period. There ain't no, no, you, I don't care what you think, it's the truth. No, no, Modern Nicolaitan dresses itself as tolerance. It ultimately levels the playing fields and makes, makes Christian a truth among other truth. All right, here's the last one. There are many other indicators of a modern Nicolaitan church. These are the notable signs. These faulty beliefs reveal doctrine ignorance and result as powerless, weakened, or a version of Christianity where sin is tolerated, 
separation is ignored, and the need for ongoing repentance is disregarded. All right, now listen to the word repentance. The word repentance is the word meta, M-E-T-A, and N-O-U-S, nous. They are compounded. It, it, this is what the word means. A decision to completely change the way you think, live, and behave. That's repentance. Now, someone came in here one day and they were upset because I was preaching on homosexuality. Well, if you were, you aren't. Don't, don't say anything to me because I'm preaching on, well, you made me feel bad. Well, are you gay? If you're a new creation, you're not. Are you out there? I mean, change. You say, well, I was born this way. Well, then to get born again. See, this, this is not. All right, I've got one more. This is massive right now. And y'all are sitting here in a church where, I, where definitely I'm not this. I'm almost the other way around. I'm, I'm almost the opposite plus. I'm, 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 I'm holiness on steroids is what I am. So <laughs> some people think I need to back off just a little tiny bit. But, um, but when you walk out of here, it's amazing what you'll find going on in churches. Or maybe I should say what's not going on in church. I walked into a church up in Virginia, and they had a secular song, and everyone was in the building dancing to it. Uh, I'm not an anti-secular song. Why in the world did you just turn your church into a bar minus the beer? Come on, y'all. And everybody told me, just, just lighten up. I'm light. You heathen, I'm light. Well, why don't you let me get up and preach and I'll get all of y'all saved. Oh, we're saved. They're trying to draw the world in. Why would the world want your Jesus if he hasn't changed you? That's right. That's right. I'm really getting, uh, are y'all all right? Inclusiveness, negotiation, and accommodation with the world have the power to pollute a holy lifestyle with sin and corruption. Therefore, they are in direct opposition to Christ's call to the church to be vigilant. There are those today who assert that since Jesus dealt with sin on the cross, the outward actions of Christians have no effect on their relationship with God. This is the same dangerous false teaching that Balaam used against the men of Israel and the errant leaders in Pergamum were spreading throughout the congregation. Jesus' triumph over sin did not alter the fact that he also demands holiness and complete separation from the world. Now, I'm going to tell you something right now. I mean, I could, name, I could sit here for an hour and name names. It's become a, it's, there's one major, major leader on television, and I mean, he has a huge church, and he just got through endorsing the homosexual lifestyle of people that we love them, and they are welcome and accepted in our church. What's he doing? Okay. He, he, well, he's trying to make his church bigger. At what expense? 
So now we got the question, are they even going to heaven? Jesus said they're not. Says they've fallen from the faith. That's quiet in this Baptist church. Is it dangerous? You better believe it's dangerous. It's very dangerous. This is going to be one of the predominant issues you're going to face in the days ahead is a Christianity without a cross. Yours, not his. If you're a Christian, Jesus said, pick up your cross. If you, if you saved your life, you'll lose it. If you lose it, you'll save it. We've gotten to where people come to Jesus and they say, well, you kind of do what you want to. Well, I don't know. That's not what he told me when I got saved. When you join the Marines, they own you. When you get saved, he owns you. Now, he doesn't see it that way. I mean, he sees you as an equal, but he still ha- he's the head. And the head needs to be talking to you, and you need to be listening to what the head said. That's true. And that's perhaps not, not happening in most churches today. So Jesus said this is a sign. Now, let me say this before we get out of here. There was, a, there was a video that Justin sent to me about a pastor that had a vision of the rapture of the church. And uh, he didn't tell anybody for years that he had this vision. He thought, well, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't. I don't think it's necessary I tell anybody. And then one day he was sitting in his living room and he thought, well, I'm going to tell my wife about this. I mean, it's not going to hurt to tell her this. So he tells her about the vision, a very vivid vision of him being raptured from the earth to heaven. And he talked about his seeing the stars flying by as he's flying up through the heavens and the whole nine yards. And when it happened, he heard people behind him screaming on the earth and he's leaving his body. And his wife looked at him and said, well, you need to talk to your grandson. He said, why? He says, you just, just talked to him. Found out his grandson had the exact same vision. Exactly. Well, I mean, word for word, everything. So him and his grandson became kind of like pals, like we're vision, like we're rapture buddies, you know. And he says during the rapture, he noticed that his wife was beside him. Now, she never had the vision, but he noticed his wife was with him. And he said there was no fear. And he was up in Minneapolis, Minnesota preaching only, I think, about a year ago. And this woman comes in, and she's weeping. And she looks at him and turns around and walks away. And she comes back, and she's weeping, and she walks away. and, And finally, he goes, lady... Can I help you? She said, I got in my car and the Lord said that you could help me. He says, okay, I'll try. She said, I had a dream. And she told exactly the same dream. She said, but I didn't leave. He said, you need Jesus. She says, yes, I do. And she got born again. Now, he's 60-something years of age. He will be in the rapture. I'm, I'm, I'm getting you ready for some of my next sermons. We're, folks, listen to me. We're closer than you think we are. The way things are going now, this is not the time to play. When you see the animals getting in the boat, I don't care what real estate deal you're doing right now. You just need to get on a giraffe and go on in, you know, just... It doesn't matter whether you got cars to fit. There's all kinds of stuff you need to keep doing. But at the same time, you've got to make sure you're on that boat. You need to make sure, wait a minute, this, this is changing. That people say, well, God's not mad. Let me, 
there is a day he will judge the earth. And he will pour his wrath out. And I'm telling you, there's a scripture that says every inch of this planet will shake with an earthquake. Everything. Whoa, baby. It, and it says that it, the whole earth will burn with a fervent heat. I think there will be a nuclear war at the very end. I mean, I think everybody's just going to go, I do. That's, that's my opinion. I won't be here. Anybody else with me? Amen. Okay. If there ever was a time for you to get it together. Now, see, see there's so much loosey-goosey Christianity going on right now. And I'm, I'm kind of calling you to, why don't you come out of that? You know, you're going to have to spend eternity with Jesus. Why don't you start being friends with him now instead of waiting until you die? <laughs> Thank you. Like the lady says, I wasn't going. I, I, looking around, I believe almost everybody in here is, is, is a Christian. I, I don't know that for 100% fact. But I think it's time we started telling people how to be saved. So I'm going to read something and then just, just because. Romans 10, you need to get in the habit of learning how to take your Bible and lead a person to the Lord. 10, 9, and 10, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with your heart you believe to righteousness, and with the mouth confessions made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. I just got through reading the book of John Wesley and how he got born again. He was a pastor for years and years and years, preached the Bible for years, and was never born again. It's amazing how close you can be and so far away. How many people today, how many even ministers are not saved? How many people go to church and they're still not born again? I was in the Bahamas once. Walking down the street, and there's an elderly lady making rice and peas for dinner. You know, the Bahamas, you can sit with people and talk. You don't do that over here, but you can do it overseas. And she says, Come on, sit down right here. Have, sit with me for a while. Let's talk. You know, just wonderful old lady. And I said, You go to church? She goes, I've never missed church, man. I go to church every Sunday. Since I was a little girl, I've been going to church, man. I said, Are you born again? She goes, What's that? I said, have you ever confessed Jesus as Lord? Not that I can remember, man. And I sat there and got an 85-year-old woman born again. Been in church every Sunday of her life. And that night, we were under the big fig tree, and there was a whole group of elderly people sitting on the bench, and they gave the altar call, and none of them moved. And I walked up to Joe, and I said, can I give another altar call? And he says, yeah. I turned around and walked up to every one of them and led every old person on that bench to the Lord. Thought they were saved because they went to church. There's a lot of people in your life that think they're saved. And they're not. Father God, thank you for this morning. I pray that, Father God, everybody in this room is understanding the heart of where I'm coming from. We're living in, 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 we are living in the last days. If there ever was a time for all of us in this room to stop compromising what we know to be truth, it's, it's right now. I don't mean that we need to be ugly, belligerent, or mean to people. But if we're going to live for God, it needs to start now. We need to start living the truth 
living for you, who make you Lord of our life. I thank you for your goodness and mercy. And if there's anybody in the sound of my voice that's not ready to meet you, that they would, that you would deal with their heart from this moment on. And they would be, and they would not miss heaven. And we give you thanks for that, sir, in Jesus' name. Well, thank you, thank you guys. Next week, we're going to talk about the war within and the war without. When Jesus talked about rumors of wars, he wasn't just talking about skirmishes. So we'll finish that next Praise week. Praise God. Next week. Amen. Amen. Just say this with me. Say, Jesus, I believe you died. I believe you rose again. I confess you as Lord. Be the Lord of my life. I, I receive you and the blood that was shed for me. In Jesus' name, amen.